The most downloaded episode in the history of the Leading Saints podcast is my interview with Rob Farrell, the young single adult stake president that I recorded probably 18 months ago, maybe two years ago. It's phenomenal. And I constantly get emails from people saying, hey, have you done a part two to that interview? Well, I'm happy to say we've done so much more than a part two. We actually invited Rob to present in front of a live audience and we recorded it all. He gives us five additional hours, roughly, of content of his leadership approach and uh, perspective. It is so helpful. I've had countless emails of people saying how much this has deeply impacted their approach to leadership. If you have not seen it, you've got to see it. And you can see it in the Core Leader Library, which we make available to all core leaders. Now, to become a core leader, you just go to leadingsaints.org slash donate. And there you can uh, submit a monthly, quarterly, or yearly subscribing donation, and that gets you access to not only Rob Farrell's presentation in the Core Leader Library, but the entire Core Leader Library. So you got to check it out. Go to leadingsaints.org donate and help us grow this organization and move it forward by becoming a Core Leader. Welcome to your morning run or evening walk, or maybe your commute, whatever it is you are plugging in the podcast. I'm so glad you are, because this is the Leading Saints podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Frankum. And if you're new to Leading Saints, we are a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we've done that through 400, I don't know, three, I think maybe 375-ish episodes. I've lost track, but there's a lot of content out there. We invite you to explore it, and uh, hopefully you'll benefit from the concepts, much like this episode where we interview Russell Brunson. Now, if you know Russell Brunson's name, you know Russell Brunson's name. He is a phenomenal marketer. Now, I don't just say this with hyperbole. Like Russell Brunson, if you were to ask most people in the marketing industry, he is quite literally the leading marketing thought leader in the world of marketing and also happens to be a Latter-day Saint. He runs a company called ClickFunnels. And uh, you've probably used ClickFunnels if you've been engaging with the Leading Saints content because for all of our virtual summits, we use the ClickFunnels software to uh, launch and run and allow people to register for our virtual summits. So Russell Brunson has not only created ClickFunnels, he's cr helped us He's helped us raise tens of thousands of dollars for Leading Saints through his phenomenal service of ClickFunnels. So this is great. I'm so excited to have Russell on, and it was sort of a long go. This is one of those interviews I've been gunning for for quite a while. And so I happened to be up in the Boise, Idaho area and was in town, and I sent a message to Russell and his, his office said, hey, I'm in town for a few days. Can I stop by and just take a, a slice of Russell's time and, uh, and chat? So that is what we did. And uh, we get into some interesting perspectives because you might think, well, marketing and leadership, is there really a connection? And I'm, I have a marketing background. And so, of course, I say there is a huge connection between marketing influence and leadership. And Russell and I explore these things. We talk about his, uh, how he would approach a, a door as a missionary now, as opposed to when he did 20 years ago as a missionary. And uh, just these principles that he applies in his business for marketing are so applicable to leadership. So even if you're not a marketing person or or you sort of have a, a bad taste in your mouth for marketing, this would still be a phenomenal episode to explore and uh, jump into. So my son is knocking at the door. I better go answer that. So here's my interview with Russell Brunson, the founder and CEO of ClickFunnels. Today, I am in uh, Eagle, Idaho with Russell Brunson. How are you, Russell? I'm doing amazing. How about you? Good. And uh, you're, you're used to having a mic in front of you, <laughs> yeah. right? There's always a mic in my face, typically, yeah. You not literally talk about church stuff, which is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, you literally came from a, a webinar you were doing, talking into a mic. And so, I mean, you help, uh, you help all sorts of people. So, what, I mean, if people don't, aren't familiar with you and your background, what, what, how do you explain to people what you do? It's funny because my people ask my wife what I do and she can never really answer it. <laughs> so, I always tell people like I'm a serial entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I, when I was in college, I started a lot of businesses. And eventually, luckily, some started working. And then, and that was kind of my, my first part of my career. And then a little while later, I started meeting other people who want to be entrepreneurs and started asking me questions of how we did it. And I became obsessed with helping entrepreneurs. And it's been my passion for the last 15 or so years of my life is helping entrepreneurs. And so I've written three books now to help entrepreneurs to sell their products and services on the internet. We have software that does it. I do seminars and events all around the world. And I just, I'm obsessed with, with entrepreneurs because I feel like entrepreneurs are the, the only people 
that really can cause massive change in in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Because just you know some of the reasons the entrepreneurs do, and so that's been my life's mission is just really helping them to help them figure out how to get their products and their services and their messages out to more people, and we do it in a lot of different ways here. And nice. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and the main core of that is ClickFunnels is, is your company that you run. And, and yeah. uh, how many how many employees do you have? We uh, just shy of 400 employees right oh, now cool. around the world. So nice. we have a couple, offices, a couple offices here in Boise, Idaho, a little small office in Atlanta, and then almost everybody else works remote from home. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And I know from, I've heard several of your stories, like from a young age, you were always intrigued by the the sales pitch, right? The, the marketing that companies use to draw people in and buy, right? Yeah. Yeah, first time I ever saw something, I was I was like a 13 year old kid, and I was watching. I was up with my dad watching TV, and usually maybe go to bed at night. Uh-huh. For some reason that night he didn't. I don't know if he didn't see me or if he was just too tired to. As a, as a dad now, I'm like some nights you're just I don't even care anymore. Yeah, and uh, we were watching TV together, and then the news ended, and then Mash came on, and then Mash ended, and all of a sudden this infomercial <laughs> came on, and uh, I remember watching this infomercial with my eyes like you know as big as can be, like watching this guy selling this product. And I was like, I have to have, like, he sold me so hard. <laughs> and I remember begging my dad for the money and, and I bought my, anyway. And it, it slices and dices and suddenly it, you wanted it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I needed it. Yeah. And so that was the first thing I ever bought. And it was a, it was a course teaching people how to make money with, with classified ads. And I remember, anyway, so exciting. So I bought that and then just, it hooked me. And uh, ever since I was you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I've been into this kind of thing, like how do people sell? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I really became obsessed with the process. Like I remember as a kid, my favorite store was GNC. I remember walking into GNC and every time the person come and run up to you and like, hey, can I help you? And I always hated that feeling like, uh, I don't know. And half the time I like turned around and run back out. But if I could sneak past him, I would go and I would spend hours in GNC, like reading the labels and things. And I remember thinking, man, if the person came to me and said something different when they first came in, I wouldn't, I wouldn't run away. I would be, I would be brought in, but they always ask the wrong question. Hmm. And I was like, well, what is the question they should have asked? And, and that was always kind of the, the questions. And so when I started selling things online, it was the same thing. Like someone come to my page. I'm like, I was very uh, aware of like, how do they feel like when they come here? Like, what are, like, how do I, like, what should I, what's the question I should be asking, make them want more. And then and where do I take them? What's the process? And just trying to figure out those things. And you know, that became a study that, you know, it's taken yeah. me 10 years of my life and it's been super fun now. Like, hey, how do, you know, how do we treat people when they come to our website? What's the first thing we do? And then where do we take them? What's the process? And just really studying that and figuring it out and then making it simple for other people to kind of take the the things we figured out and, and make yeah. it easy to do. And essentially, that's what a funnel is, right? For those that yeah. maybe aren't marketers, they, they may hear funnels <laughs> like, what, what on earth is this? <laughs> funnel right? cake. Let's <laughs> funnel cake, right? But basically leading somebody down a, a process or a funnel until they get to the end where they purchase or convert or... Make, you think about in the church, I mean, we use, I mean, funnels are everywhere. Like yeah. they're, they're in, in the dating world, right? Like the way I met my wife, like I went out there and there was <laughs> lots of ladies at church, you know, and then it asked, you know, 10 of them out on a date and then, you know, three, we had good dates and then two and eventually I found my wife. Like that was a, a sales process, right? To mm-hmm. find my spouse. We do the same thing with, with, when I was on my mission, it was the same thing, right? We like, we got there knocking doors and we were getting media referrals. We had all these people at the top of our funnel and then we tried to teach the first discussion, right? And that's the first tier of the of the funnel, right? And then yeah. people who said yes come back to the second discussion. Then it's less people, but that's the second tier and third until eventually they get baptized and they go to the temple and then they, you know, and so it's like everything in, in all aspects of life, there's this funnel process is happening. And so it's just being aware of that. And in business, that's how we do it. But the same thing in church, same thing with with uh, marriage, with kids, with, I mean, anything. Like yeah. the, the funnel process is always there. And so the better you get it at understanding at each step in the funnel, like what are the things, right? Like on my mission, I remember the better you got at teaching the first discussion, the better you brought the spirit in, the better the experience you made, the more likely that would turn into a second discussion. And the third, and the better mm-hmm. missionary you are, the better you are at really understanding each step in that process and getting, and getting better at telling the stories and, and connecting with people and getting them to feel the spirit. And that also moves into the second and the third and keeps them moving through the, the funnel. Yeah. So it's all, it's all the same thing. Right. And, and marketing is really everywhere, even though marketing gets a bad rap sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. Because we've all experienced maybe the sleazy salesman who is using tactics that seem, you know, you know, manipulative or things like that. But uh, we're always marketing, even within the church and the gospels. You know, we like to think that, oh, we just bear a testimony and magically things happen. But there's a lot of marketing principles to to this process. Right? I remember being in the MTC the very, when I went and I remember getting the missionary, <laughs> it's a big pink book. I don't remember what it's yeah, called. Yeah. And I remember reading it. I was like, this is like the best sales training I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it's crazy. And you think that's why I think there's so much entrepreneurship, you know, inside of Utah, inside the Mormon church as well. It's because so many times we go on these missions, we learn these skills and we come back and you're like, well, I understand now how to persuade people, how to get, you know, like the, there's so many principles that, that are, and just like anything in life, there's like the good and the evil, right? Like I always yeah. tell people as, as a joke kind of, but like when you learn these powers, like you can use them for good or for evil. Like it's the same principles that, that the pornographer uses to sell pornography that we use to sell the gospel. Like the, the principles are the same. It's yeah. just how you, 
how you use them, how you understand them. And I think instead of us looking at marketing as a bad thing, it's like, man, we should become the best marketers in the world because we have the most important message. We have the thing that, that is the only thing of lasting that, that matters. And you know the adversary is using the techniques too. So it's like, right. we have to study them and understand them because if we don't know them, man, we're, we're, we're stepping into a battle we're going to lose. Yeah. So any other, you mentioned sort of your marketing mind during your, your mission. Where'd you serve? New Jersey. Oh, nice. So, I mean, how, any other experiences or examples come to mind? Were you, were you constantly analyzing these, <laughs> the these steps or the processes and things like that? I remember because I, I was, and I still am very introverted and shy. People don't believe that because they see me on stage in front of 30,000 people <laughs> yeah. and I feel comfortable there. But I, uh, one-on-one is still really, really awkward for Going me. back to the hotel room feels so good. Right? Oh, I'm yeah. The same like way, you go right? hide. <laughs> But I think about that on my mission, like there were some missionaries who were so good. And I remember in awe, like sitting there watching, I remember uh, Elder Bascom was one of my missionary companions and, and he was a Spanish missionary, but sometimes we got to go on splits with him and I'd watch him and he was so good. He'd walk in, he walk up to the house and it wasn't just like knocking on the door and like, hi, I'm Elder Brunton. You're like yeah, the yeah. typical door yeah. approach. He'd walk up and he, the uh, person opened the door and he's like, oh my gosh, there's your kids. Like ask a question, ask them. And like, he was so good at like that initial connection that we got in like almost every door that we went. I was like, how does he do that? But he just... He was so good at, at making people feel comfortable and it wasn't like, here's an ad popping up in your, in your newsfeed, you know, like where you just swipe past it. It was like, it was like, oh, there's this person who actually cares. And, and it, it was just different. And um, I remember seeing that and like trying to like, I was never as good as him. He was so good. But uh-huh. I was trying to model like, okay, like if I say, hi, my name is Elder Brunson from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like that's not a good door approach. That's an ad you're going to swipe right past, yeah, right? Right. It's like, how do you create... How do you create something where you start a dialogue and a conversation? And, and you know, now that I've been doing this, this business for, you know, 15 to 20 years, I, I, I would love so much to go back on my mission and like understanding what I understand now. Like, uh-huh. man, I would have been so much more efficient as a missionary because I know how to like get someone's attention, how yeah. to like tell a story in a way that, that pulls, that gets them to have, be interested in listening. Yeah. So. so if you were to go back in time and talk to Elder Brunson um, <laughs> with the knowledge you have now, I mean, what would you say, how would you do a door, door approach? Any, any principles come to mind? Yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, a bunch of the guys that work here in the office, uh, had, their kids are now going on missions. A lot of mm-hmm. their kids read my second book, which is called Expert Secrets. And uh, one of them's on his mission right now in London. And it's funny because he's like, I use the Epiphany Bridge script today and like uh-huh. all these things. And so one one big principle is, it took me a long time to figure this out, but I wish I would have understood on my mission uh, is this concept of, of we, I call it the epiphany bridge. And what it is, is basically, um, if you think about in any aspect of your life, it could be with the church, it could be with the product or service you're selling, whatever it is, there was some point in your life when you found out about it. And, and what happened is, and we know this from what we teach in the church, right? Like you felt the spirit, you had an emotional change. There was a shift that happened, right? And it's, it's not a logical thing. It's like, it's like, I read this thing, I prayed about it, and the spirit told me. And, I, and then you have this emotional experience, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens, you have emotional experience, and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is true. And you get so excited, and you go and you start ready, reading, and you start studying, and you go into the deep doctrines of the kingdom, right? And you're like, <laughs> you're figuring all this stuff, and you're so excited, and you go on this logical journey now where you're studying, you're, you're learning, you're listening to conference talks, you're reading the old, you know, there's all this stuff. And then when we find somebody we might teach in the future, we see our, our, our future person, and all of a sudden you're like, I need to explain them the powers of, of celestial marriage. And you tell them about the three kingdoms of, you know, like, and all these things. And we start going, we start spewing this logical stuff on people. And we think because like, we have all this logic now to, to base our, our conversion. We want to tell people the logic because that's what we, yeah. we want to convince them that's what's true. Or like, what if, could a 14 year boy really r- write this book? I yeah, mean, come on, right? Yeah, that's a logical ar- argument, yeah. right? It's like we logically try to convince, but we don't understand that nobody buys things logically. Like hmm. this is proven throughout, you know, yeah. we buy things emotionally and we <clears> justify them logically. And so the thing that happens with our conversion, we're emotionally converted and then we logically try to convince ourselves by, by studying the doctrine. And I think those things are important because it strengthens our testimonies. But then the worst thing is we go out there and we become the worst salespeople ever because we go out and we start leading with the logic. Like, let mm. me explain these things. And that turns people off and they run away. And what we need to go is come back and remember, like, what was the thing that got us to convert? That's why we always say, like, that's the way they teach in the MTC. They teach, like, all the time, like, they share testimony. Like, don't Bible bash. Like, that's not going to get you. Never, you never convert someone. It's like the emo, like you have to share your testimony. And so in my book, I talk, we call this the epiphany bridge. So like, so I tell someone, like, when I tell them about funnels, I don't sit down and explain them, you know, all of the technical details about why funnels will convert Shopify stores and Amazon stores, all these things, even though it's true. I come back and I tell them the story about how I figured it out. And if I can tell them a story in a way where they have the same emotional experience that I had, mm-hmm. then they'll go and sell themselves logically themselves. And the same thing we teach in the, in the church, right? Like, bury your testimony, help them to fill the spirit. And when they do, they'll convert themselves. You don't have to do that, right? The spirit will convert them and they'll logically figure out the answers on their own. But our job is to come and tell them the story, help mm-hmm. them to have the same emotional experience that we had. And so when you understand that, it's like, well, how do I get better at telling my story then? 
Like we all have a story, right? Like especially in today's world where, you know, I mean, it's it's crazy how how divisive things are now. And it's like the people that, that are in the church that believe, like there's a reason why you believe, right? Mm-hmm. And most of us have that experience, like something happened to us. And a lot of times we're scared to tell the story or it's it's so sacred to us, we don't want to tell people. But it's like, you have to understand like that is the only tool we have to convert people. You have to be willing to tell your story and you have mm-hmm. to get better at telling your story. The more times you tell it, the better you'll be at telling it, right? The first time I told my potato gun story about why I like funnels and no one, no, no <laughs> you guys listening will now make sense. But my world, like they hear and there's a potato gun in this office right now. Like oh, wow, I tell them yeah. the story about my potato gun DVD and how I sold it. And like, I tell that emotional story and how it yeah. changed my life. Then people are like, oh my gosh, I need a funnel. I tell that story so much that it's annoying. Like every time I'm about, okay, here comes my, like, I hate it. <laughs> like it's the worst I've heard told so many times, but it's the key that gets people to follow me on this journey. And so for you, it's the same thing in the church. Like you have to get good at telling your story over and over and over again, because it's the key that'll get people to care and to want to know. And, uh, and, and then um, after they've, you've shared your emotional experience with them, they'll have, you know, if they, if they, you tell your story in the right way, they'll have an emotional experience at the same time. And then they're in they're, they'll yeah. go and they'll, they'll, they'll geek out on logical stuff themselves. You don't need to tell them that. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's so helpful because I think most people understand that sort of the emotional dynamic that's so helpful in that conversion process or being intrigued by the gospel. And so, but we typically start with our, our testimony, right? I know that this is true. I know. And, and that, because that does have an emotional response, but I love the, the different approach or the spin on that, that it's actually the story that ends with the testimony, yeah. right? And, and formulating that story is important rather than just starting with, I know these things are true. And, and just because you're weepy, maybe that'll project the spirit onto them. But it really starts before that. I always tell people like when you're telling somebody the principles, the principles like I know this church is true. The principle by itself is not powerful. It doesn't cause the, the connection they need. You have to tell the story about how you learned or you earned it, hmm. right? How did you learn? How did you earn this testimony? Like, what was the experience you went through? When you tell that story, then the principle has value, right? Like if I come up to you and I'm like, as, and I'm like, hey, I know that funnels will grow your business. You're like, okay. <laughs> like, and then that's the equivalent we do a lot of times. Like, I know the church is true. Okay. How does that affect me? It doesn't, right? Yeah. But if I come back and say, let me tell you the story about how I learned or I earned this thing, right? You, you learned it like because you were in a situation or you earned it because of the the things you went through to be able to discover this truth. So I tell the story about how I learned or I earned it. And so for me, if I go back and I tell that and I show and I tell the story in a way and also they're like, oh my gosh, I need a phone. And they, they have the epiphany. Like this thing, like they, that's what I call the epiphany bridge story. You share how you had your epiphany. And if you do it right, you're not telling them like, this is the epiphany, like the church is true. Like you tell them the story and also they're like, whoa, the church is true. Like you want yeah. them to have the epiphany. You don't want to just shove it down their throat. Yeah, yeah. And so you do that by telling them the story about how you learned it or how you earned it, your testimony. And when they do that, that's where you create this environment where the mm-hmm. spirit can come, it can touch their heart. And all of a sudden they'll say, oh, the church is true. Like yeah. that's the, that's the magic. And because you don't want them to have Russell's epiphany, yeah. you invite them onto the epiphany bridge for their own epiphany, yeah. right? But you, yeah, because you don't you want someone like, there. I met this guy named Russell and he's in New Jersey on his mission. This is the experience that happened to him. So it's true. Like, no, yeah, yeah. you want them to be like, this is my, like they need yeah. to have their, their own story. Yeah. That's powerful. So it sounds like, you know, going back in time, talking to Elder Brunson, I mean, it, really taking the time to say, let's sit down for an afternoon and let's figure out what your story is and how to arti- articulate it in a way that's really going to impact people. I mean, that would be good exercise. 100%. And what's interesting about story, uh, Mackie, I could get fat, you got about this for that's years. That's why we're here. In fact, <laughs> I, my, I have a, a Book of Mormon podcast and I just told this, but there's, if you look at story throughout time, like story structure it's the same, right? Mm-hmm. You look at, in fact, there's a book called The Hero, uh, The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, which he went through throughout all time and all like, like time, but also, um, different, um, uh, what's the word? Different, not societies, but different cultures, different cultures, oh, okay. cultures uh-huh. and time. And he did this huge lifelong study and he found that in almost every culture and every timeline from now to the beginning of time, all the way back to Adam, there's people tell stories and they all follow the exact same story structure. And the Hero of Thousand Faces is this book where he's like, here they are, there's 17 steps. And if you look at that book, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to read, but it's, it's an amazing book. And you start looking at stories like, oh my gosh, every story fits this timeline. And you look at um, George Lucas, he read the book and he was like, this is the storyline. So he took the story structure from the Hero of Thousand Faces and he laid it out and then he wrote Star Wars. And he plugged in every single thing. You look at Star Wars, it is literally a perfect adaptation of the Hero of Thousand Faces and it became Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's crazy is uh, a couple years later after that came out, uh, after like this book came popular, uh, there's another guy named Joseph, or excuse me, Chris Vogler, who uh, was a huge executive at Disney. And he took this, this concept of Hero of Thousand Faces. And he's like, he's like, it's, it's true, but it's too complex. And he simplified it and wrote this book called The Writer's Journey, which became the, the story plotline for every Disney movie ever. 
Like you follow, they all follow the same storyline over and over and over again. And so what's interesting is we think I have to learn how to tell my story. Like what's nice about it is like the story process is it's been, it's been written. It's been like, it's there. And so it's easy to look at that and like, Hey, what's, what happens in, in every single story? And if you look at any of these story arcs, these story timelines, um, they all follow the same process, right? Like the hero starts in an ordinary world, right? So Frodo started in the Shire. You got Lightning McQueen started at a racetrack. Like every single hero, Rocky Balboa started like in any movie, think about it. They always start in, a, in an ordinary world. And then there's this call to adventure where they hear this call to adventure and they, they have to physically leave. And at first, they have to hear the call. They always say, oh, I don't want to do it. They get scared. They get fearful. They say no. And eventually something happens and they go on this journey. And as they go on this journey, they always are introduced to a guide. And the guide always then takes them. And it's crazy. And so every story follows this, this thing. And the question I had, and I talked about this in my podcast, was like, well, why, like, why is the story structure here? Like, it's so interesting. And the reason, in my belief, the reason why is because that story structure is, it's God's plan. It, it literally is like, if you look at pre-mortal life, like we were with our Heavenly Father in an ordinary world, and we had this call to adventure, you should come to earth and you're going to get a physical body. And we're like, that'd be amazing. And I'm sure we're like, wait, I don't know, like, what if I fail? And they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. don't worry, we're going to give you a guide. And then also we came on this journey and now we're here on this earth and we're given guides, we're given parents, we're given the Holy Ghost, we're given you know, all these, and like that storyline follows. And the reason why that storyline is so prolific is because it is our storyline. And so when you understand that, that, that concept and you think about it, like for my testimony, like I had to go through the same process. Like I was in, I was a normal teenage punk kid in my ordinary (laughs) world. And also I heard this call adventure. You should go to New Jersey on a mission. And I was like, I don't want to go on a mission. Like I'm a wrestler. Like this is my life. And then I finally, I decided to do it. And I go on this thing and then, you know, and I go out there and and, you know, and I'm trying to figure this out. And finally, I learned how to listen to the spirit and the Holy Ghost becomes this guy and takes me on this journey. And then boom, this thing. And anyway, the story structure keeps happening. So it's something that when you understand that, it's like start looking at stories and you'll see the same pattern. Look at Moana, look at Aladdin, look at like every Disney movie yeah, throughout time, right. they follow the same story structure. So yeah. how do you fit your story into that? And if you do that, it becomes really easy because you're like, you're not reinventing the story. You're just like, okay, here's, here's the, you know, the 10, 15 points in any story. Let me just go through those. And I'm going to tell my story based on the, the timeline of events. Yeah. So what would you say to like uh, youth or even maybe adult Latter-day Saints who just feel like, you know, I don't really have a story. Yeah, I'm, yeah I went on a mission, but I just sort of, it was sort of expected of me or this or that. And, and so what guidance would you give to help them really discover that story if they, on the surface, they, they don't see it? If they don't see it yet, my, my belief is that they're still in their story. Hmm. And so now it's like... If you don't have one to share yet, like it's time to seek. Like my first seven months of my mission, I didn't have a story yet. Mm. I was seeking. I was on the I was on my hero's journey. I was going on this thing trying to figure it out. And the process is where you find the answers. And so if you don't have a thing yet, like it's time to start your journey. It means you've had this called adventure. Maybe you haven't taken it yet. Maybe you're sitting back and you're waiting. You're nervous. You don't want to do it. And it's like okay, like every like what would happen in Lord of the Rings if Frodo stayed, stayed at the Shire? Like nothing. It'd be a short movie. Yeah, it'd been boring. <laughs> like, like this is our life. Like our life is is to go out and, and to discover this thing and go figure yeah. it out and go start this journey. And so I would say for people who don't have it yet, like, okay, like it's time to figure out your story. Like if you haven't you haven't if you haven't heeded the call to adventure yet, if you haven't left, you haven't like started this process yet, like now's the time to start it. Yeah. And you some people do it, they they go through their life, they go on a mission, they come back. And what what scares me is I think twenty years ago, like most people could get by on that. Today you can't. I can't tell you how many people I love who have gone on missions, who have been married in the temple, who have fallen away from the church now. And I really think it's because they didn't, they didn't finish the thing, right? They did the motions, but they didn't like, I don't know. I, I remember when I had my testimony and it was so vivid to me. It was like my heavenly father coming down and saying, this is true. It's because of that, like I can never deny it. Like, cause mm-hmm. he told me like, there's, there's like, I don't care even if I became evil, whatever, like, like he told me I was there. I experienced it. Like, there's no way I could ever deny it. And if you don't have that kind of experience yet, like go chase it. Like it's time to go. And like, because if I, I think in a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, like, like in the unwinding of this mortal life, whatever's, I don't know. Yeah, we're yeah. in the middle of chaos right now. Who knows where we are in the, in the timeline, but, but we've been told that even the, the most faithful will be deceived if they're not, if they're yeah. not getting personal revelation. So if we haven't had that yet, like now's the time to to say, okay, yeah. <laughs> even if I went on my mission now, like I, I need to start this journey right now and figure it out for myself and go and get it. Yeah. Because uh, it's there. It's just waiting for us to go and, yeah. and, and chase it. So it's what I'm picking up on is that, you know, if, if you have a hard time finding that story, maybe there, that call to adventure, maybe you've been scared to step into it or getting out of that comfort zone, you'll typically find that adventure that will allow God to lead you down paths that, that will, you know, lead to some of these principles and, and uh, testimony and things like that, that 
again, you may be in your adventure. You just need to answer the call. Yeah. You know? so. Maybe it's time for a new adventure. I mean, there's sequels and movies, right? Right. Yeah. Like if you look at my, uh, the Book of Mormon Challenge podcast that I just launched, like mm-hmm. if you listen to the intro, you know, I went on a mission, I did a thing and then my life, it was funny. I was sitting there with my kids one day and, and I was looking around our house and we have Book of Mormons laying everywhere. And it's like, there's like 20, like everywhere there's Book of Mormon. And yet we hardly ever pick them up. I was like, because it's so common, it's not special to us anymore. And I was like trying to think, how do we make this special? So for me, I was like, what if I found something, like how do I make this special again? And so I went on eBay and I started searching and I found an original copy of the Book of Mormon, uh, <laughs> the original 5,000. Wow, and awesome. I saw it, I was like, that would make this special to me again. So I went and I bought it and I got it and I did this really cool family at the kids where I told them the story about everything and I pulled it out and they're like, oh my gosh. And it was, it was became special again. And I was like, I started this podcast because I want to make this, like I want to, I want to, I want this book to change my life again. Mm-hmm. It did before, but I've been stagnant for a long time. Like it's time to start this journey and re and do it again. And so for anyone here, like, I, you know, I'm in a fortunate situation where I can go and buy something like that. Most people can, I understand that. But like, right. how do you make it special again? How do you make it so it's not just like, oh yeah, there's, I got book Mormons there. Like they're laying everywhere. Like, how do you make that book special to you again? Like there's gotta be a way to do it. And so it might be, you need to, I don't know, it could be anything. It could be like, I'm going to go and, and I don't know, buy a new, buy a new book of Mormon for example. Or I'm going to go and we're going to, I'm going to read it backwards. I had somebody I know who read from the back of the beginning because I wanted to get oh, really? each, each chapter out of story context and just find the nugget. Like whatever it is, like find something to like make this exciting for you again or to do a uh-huh. challenge. Or like I had a couple of years ago after I got the new Book of Mormon, I remember I Googled, uh, I was like, I, I, we've heard that story a ton of times about Parley P. Pratt who read the whole Book of uh-huh. Mormon in a day. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. so cool. So I've like, I Googled it to his birthday and his birthday was like two days later. I was like, <gasps> I'm going to read the entire Book of Mormon on Parley P. Pratt's birthday. So I like, I told Melanie, my sister, I was like, cancel everything for today. And she's like, why? I'm like, I'm going to read this entire book. And she's like, this is so weird. But I'm like, but it's going to, it's going to be so cool. And so I sat down and told my wife, my kids, I'm like, I'm locking myself in a room. I'm going to read this entire book in a day. And I read the Book of Mormon for 18 hours until I was about to pass out. And I only got about halfway through. I don't know. I it's think, a long book. You don't realize. I think, yeah. I got halfway through. It was like, but it, but it was, it was cool. It made it special again. And yeah. reading it in a day, like it shifted how I read it and like the storylines connect differently and it was like, it became special mm-hmm. again. So it's like, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to go spend a fortune on a thing, but like, how do you make it special again for you and start that journey again? Like go and do it because I think, man, if we're not continually like re reconnecting with our testimony yeah. in the upcoming years that, that are ahead, like it's going to be a rocky yeah. road. And so it's like, man, we got to keep doubling down on that. Yeah. In a leadership context, I appreciate sort of how you uh, invited your children into that experience, mm-hmm. right? You like made you made a story, a sort of narrative around it. Then you revealed the Book of Mormon and then sort of inviting <laughs> them like, let's let's make this special, right? Yeah. And so in a leadership context, it's, I would imagine whether an elders quorum president, relief society president, bishop, like you're constantly trying to formulate a narrative that you're inviting them into, right? We're not just showing up on Sunday. So, you know, yeah, the, the, the sacrament's important. We should do that. But how can we formulate a narrative where we can invite people into so that they can have this epiphany that's yeah. going to, again, re renew that testimony and the adventure that's in the gospel. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because so much of the church, we get so many, so much into the, um, the pattern of it. And mm-hmm. that's the problem with patterns. And just from advertising, you know, like for me, it's like, I'm always trying to figure out what's the pattern interrupt. What's the thing that's going to interrupt someone's attention so I can grab their attention. But what's interesting is the pattern interrupt after like, so for example, I'll see like a cool, uh, we'll create something new, a new kind of ad, right? Like the other day, we f- I found this guy who does pancake art, right? So uh, he does a camera above his pancake thing. He, do- he doodles also pancake and he flips around and all of a sudden like there's this amazing picture. So uh-huh. he did like Elsa and Anna and all these like cool things. So I, I paid him. I was like, can you do my book cover? So he like pancaked art on my book cover. You flip it over and it's like, oh, there's Russell's book. And so like it's a pattern. Interrupt. So that's an ad now that we're running and it's doing really, really well. Because we're like interrupt someone in there, you know, scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. And they're like, what is this pancake? And then, yeah. oh, it's Russell's book. Uh-huh. And it converts good. But what typically happens is that now people in my world will see me do it and I'll have that pancake guy will become famous now and there's going to be like 800 people who get pancake art by him for their ads. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everyone's doing the pancake art. Yeah. And now like you're scrolling through the news and you're like, oh, there's another pancake. Oh, you know, and like it, it loses its, the pattern interrupt becomes the pattern and you lose, lose focus. And so mm-hmm. I think so much times that's what's, what happens a lot of times inside the church is like Joseph Smith comes out and he shares this amazing thing. And we're like, and it's this huge pattern interrupt and it's like, it shifts Christianity shifts everything and everyone's like, this so excited, but then it becomes a pattern. And I think so many times, like we forget, we come to church and like, we're doing this thing. We take the sacrament, we do, you go to class and it's like, and we forget because it's become the pattern. It's not special to us. And it's like, if we really realized mm-hmm. how special it is, you know, I think that's uh, one of my favorite things about Russell Nelson is just, he's coming in and he's interrupting his patterns. Yeah. And it's not like church is changing, but he's like shifting these things where it's like, whoa. And people are like, you know, just I mean, even the shifting from like home teaching to ministering, like 
on paper, it's like almost the same thing, but he's like, let's shift it. Let's interrupt this pattern. So all of a sudden people start doing it and wake them up. It'll shift their thing, you know, church shifting and like all these things. And like, anyway, from a marketing standpoint, I love it. Like I love him coming in and just doing these things, even (laughs) though if nothing else, it just, it brings more attention back to it. And I think, you know, with, uh, and I'm not perfect this by any stretch, but I've tried with our kids to like, how do we make, how do we make the sacrament special? Like what was, like, how do we tell that story again? How do we get them excited? And how do we, you know, and like, and try and bring stories around that. So during our family nights or things like that, it's telling a story where all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, that thing became cool again, or this thing and it became cool again, you know, and trying to like interrupt that pattern. So the thing that's so sacred to us, we can remember the value of it as opposed to like, Oh, it's it's the thing we do on Sunday. We eat this bread and we drink this water and then we go to class, you know, which is kind Mm -hmm. of where we're at now. I mean, think about just right now as we're recording this, we're in the middle of coronavirus, we're all having church from home. Think about the first time we all get to go back to church at church. Like now it's special, right? Because we lost it. Mm-hmm. Where before it's like we took it for granted, like no one cares. Just what we do on Sunday, right? yeah. <laughs> and now it's going to be this cool thing. And so, anyway, it's just it's just interesting. Yeah, no, I appreciate that the principle of the pattern interrupts, and it doesn't have to be something like expensive or overly dramatic. Like it's really in the little things because in our culture we we really like tradition, right? Like, oh, we have that chili cook-off every year in October and, you know. it's you can't miss it. Right, and the new bishops, you know, like I'm not, I don't dare change the chili cook-off, right? But to really as a ward council or as a group to step back and say, okay, what? let's identify the patterns in our ward and what are some pattern interrupts to really make it make it different? One that comes to mind that um, I just got a text, I, this was years ago, um, I was serving as, as a bishop in the South Salt Lake ward and there's this older high priest in the ward and it was his birthday one Sunday. And so I went into the high priest group at that time and and I said, all right, everybody follow me. And we all uh, went down the hall, went up to the library or the, the uh, primary room. And I, I explained to the kids, this is, it's Gary's birthday. Well, you sing him a birthday song, right? And so that was like eight years ago or something. Just last Sunday, he sends me this text saying, Hey, I remember that time that you led me up to the primary room. Like, like that was a pattern interrupt, like something's how often do the high priests walk into primary, right? <laughs> but it was so simple, but it was so impactful for that person that it, it still has an impression on today. Like, I think those little pattern interrupts, you get a lot of mileage out of them, right? Yeah. I um, I have a friend who shared this concept. It was super cool. We were actually um, at a mastermind retreat in in uh, Puerto Rico, and we'd done three masterminds with this group. And the first one, we were in Wyoming. We shot guns. We did all these crazy things. Second one was in Puerto Rico, and the third one was in Puerto Rico. And he started talking about if you look at our lives, how you know, people always say like every year life goes faster and faster and faster, you know, life seems like it's speeding up. And, and the reality is it actually is because our brain, what our brain does is it looks at, at the pattern, the thing, right? Where it's like, if it's like every single day you do the same thing, your brain just deletes, right? Putting your socks. Like, do you remember putting your socks on today? No. Cause your brain's like <laughs> right. socks on, deleted, gone. Like it just deletes uh-huh. all the stuff, uh-huh. the, the patterns that keep happening. Right. And so he talked about, he's like, this guy, he's like, the first mastermind we did was in Wyoming. We shot guns and we were like flying in helicopters. It was this crazy thing. He's like, I will never forget that time because it's amazing. The second trip we were in, we were in Puerto Rico. It was amazing. All these things. He's like, the third trip, we're back to Puerto Rico. He's like, I'm having a good time. He's like, I probably won't remember most of these things. So my brain's going to literally delete it because we did this before. It's like, oh, I've already done this. And it just kind of, it, it deletes these things. He said, if you want a, a longer fulfilling life, he's like, what you have to do is you have to, he called them event horizons. You have to have these event horizons that are different that your mind will like, will remember because it's like, oh, this is a cool thing. So him and his wife, they try to find one event horizon per month to extend their life. Hmm. He's like, the life that, you know, you're still gonna live the same amount of time. He's like, your brain's gonna remember it and it'll make things feel longer. Yeah. I think the same thing with church. Like, think about every church you've been to since your mission, right? So I'm almost 20 years off my mission. I'm trying to think about like, what do I remember? <laughs> right. There's not many experiences, yeah, right? Maybe a baby blessing of a child, right? Or, yeah. yeah. So how do you, in your quorum or your church or whatever, to create these things? Like you talked about right now with the high priest, like that was an event horizon. He will never forget. The kids will probably never forget, like, because it was yeah. something different. It was something unique. And so I think so much of us, like we try to get in ritual, which is good. There's so many good, I mean, so many good reasons why we do rituals and, yeah. and you know, from like morning routines and things like, like all sorts of stuff to like, to set yourself up for success. But it's also like the things you remember aren't the rituals. It's not the thing. It's like, it's the, the interrupt. It's the event horizon, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so how do you create more of those things in your ward and your family and your things you know, I still remember as a kid growing up, I remember a few vacations that were like in my head, but I'm sure we did way more stuff. I just, it's gone. Right. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that we need to turn, you know, our organizations into the circus that every week, like <laughs> what's the theme today? Oh, pancakes and sacrament. Wow. This is interesting. <laughs> right. But, but nonetheless, like just, just being self-aware of the things you do and saying, is this a pattern? Like, are we really getting the same value 
the 10th time as we're getting the, the first time when the elder scorm decided to go on this camp out together, yeah. right? Like how can we tweak it so that it's uh, more impactful in this event horizon? I love that, that term, right? So that they, they remember it and also they have an emotional experience with it that then hopefully de- deepens their conviction in the gospel, right? Awesome. All right. We've talked about like story pattern interrupt. <laughs> I need, we need this it comes in three. So what's, what's another, like if you were standing in a room full of bishops and relief society presidents and they were saying, Russell, help us out. Nobody's coming to our activities. Nobody's listening to announcements. Help us out. Like, what what would you do in, in those positions? Oh, <laughs> that's good. So, for getting like uh, members to to show up, so um, or just uh, just generally leadership thing, because a lot of people, you know, and, and you probably face this in your in your business. People can disengage, or they're just going through the motions, or things like that. And so, you know, story and pattern up is a great way to do that. Anything else that you would do to to reengage a ward? Yeah, I think. We did something really cool with uh with our marketing team. We do these marketing retreats where we'll take part of the company and we'll go somewhere. And I think a lot of times, especially in the church, is we go to church, we see people in our Sunday best, we kind of know them all superficially, but not well. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to serve people when you just know them superficially, right? Mm-hmm. Like the families, I think about the families that I was a good home teacher to or a good minister to were the families that I that I knew something about, that I, you know what I mean? Where I cared about on a different level. The ones where I like, it's like, hey, how's it going? Let me read the lesson. All right, see you next week. You know, like you don't yeah. have the connection. And so we did an, an exercise that was, I was, I, I've tried to pitch my elders corn presidents in the past. This is probably why they don't ever make me anything like elders corn revision because they would like, I would, I, I would, What's this I, guy would gonna do? I would shift things up a little bit. But we did this with, with the team and it, it shifted, shifted our company for sure. So we did, we did a retreat. We had everyone come out and we did this thing. We call them lifelines. And so what happened? We had a little whiteboard up there. And every person had to come up and basically you draw a lifeline of your life. And so there's like a line down the middle. And then there's like, you know, when I'm zero, one, two, three, all the way to however old you are. Uh-huh. And then there's a peaks up, which is like emotional, like amazing things happen. And then down things that were depressing or hard in your life. Mm. And so you go through your beginning. Like, so for me, I was like, okay, when I was born, I don't remember anything. And then I was in like elementary school. I just, I remember I was kind of sad every once in a while. Cause like I, I was kind of awkward. So I had my downline a little bit and then, and then come back up and I was like, but then, High school started and I started wrestling. I love wrestling. So I had a peak in my timeline, right? And so it became my passion. I was obsessed with it and all sorts of stuff like that. And then my junior year, I won the state title. So I was state title and like, it was way up here and it was the best thing in the world, you know? And then my senior year, I was coming back. And then my senior year, I actually lost the state tournament Ooh, when I dropped down. I took third in state. And I was like, like I was questioning myself and like, like, was I actually any good? Like my whole, like my whole identity was tied to that thing. And I lost it. And I was like, oh, like miserable. I had to figure out a way to do, like, how do I recover from this? And then I started training for like seven, seven hours a day for the next two and a half months because the national tournament was coming up. And then with the national tournament, I actually took second in the nation. I became an All-American. It was amazing. I got a scholarship to wrestle BYU and all this stuff started happening. And then, and then I got called on a mission to – oh, and then I had a girlfriend who I was, <laughs> was going to marry. And then I got called on a mission and uh, I was kind of scared. So I got to drop down to the you know, more neutral. And then I went on my mission and uh, it was really hard and I dropped down. And then I didn't really have a testimony. It was like scary. And then and then I got a Dear John letter and like, whoom, you know, and like my girlfriend's getting married and like it was so depressing. And then Two weeks later, uh, we were attracting and this thing happened and, uh, you know, and then boom. And then, and then going up and down my timeline. And then this is where my, I have a handicapped sister who passed away and it dropped down and, mm. and telling you all the aspects of my life from business, from personal, from religious, like all these things, the ups and the downs. And you do it in like 10 minute time. So you're going the ups and downs. And what's crazy is in 10 minutes, each person had a chance to present their, their lifeline. And we got to know people at the level that, you know, I bet most of their spouses didn't know them. I bet mm. most of their family or kids. And all of a sudden, like we're crying with them, we're laughing with them and like, and man, I see any of those people now and I have like instant empathy and like respect and, you know, even people who, who had made decisions I didn't agree with, like also I was like, oh my gosh, I understand. Like there's one person I'm thinking about specifically who ended up, who had left the church and, you know, I was kind of, kind of like thinking like, ah, like kind of bothered me. And then I heard their, their story. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I have so much empathy now. Like, I understand like how, what would I do in that situation? Like, you know what I mean? It just, it shifted it for me and, um, and the, the dynamic of the group. It's like, and if I was Elder's Corn president, that'd be the first thing I'd do. Like, hey, okay, we're having Elder's Corn presidency at my house for three days and we're timelining out because I want everyone to get to know each other. And then when yeah. it comes to Elder's Corn meeting, it's not like this superficial thing. It's like right. now, now we can actually talk about people struggling with pornography addiction, talk about people who are struggling with the church, about just all these things that like are taboo. We don't talk about these things because, yeah. you know, we're here to read the lesson. And it's like, no, if you really want to create change, you have to understand people at a different level. And so, I don't know, something like that. You yeah, yeah. Think of you do that in the young men's program or young women's or something where you could get to know people and like, at a different level, 
it just gives you the ability to serve people a different level and, yeah. and have empathy and understanding differently too. Yeah. And I think going back to the principle about stories, well, you know, obviously you're helping individuals develop their, their story, right. Or, or really put it down on paper so they understand it. And it's those moments of suffering that when you have an opportunity to articulate that suffering to another human being, you can't help but that, well, it's a vulnerable thing. And so there's going to be connection there, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'll be a completely different quorum when it, it does come time for a Sunday lesson, right? Because it's true that I don't think any leader means for those lessons to feel like superficial. Everybody wants a deep connected lesson, but they think, I don't know how to get there. But this, what a great tactic to yeah. sit, you know, go retreat or go over to the, someone's house and say, all right, everybody do it and we're going to have some of you share and see where this goes, yeah. you know, it'd be powerful. It's cool because uh, it, it makes a safe spot. People can be vulnerable. And if you study um, Brene Brown stuff on vulnerability, yeah, it's really great. good. She talks yeah, about awesome. when you're vulnerable, you feel small, but when people see you vulnerable, you look big. And it's like, that's the thing also. It's like getting people to to do that, especially like I think about my kids right now. My, I've, got, I've got twins that are teenagers that are like, it's tough. And I'm watching them all trying to be they're so scared of being vulnerable. They're trying to be somebody else so they can protect themselves and they're in their, you know, it's like, and if you get their friend group together and get them to break those things down, like it would just mm-hmm. change so much stuff in them. Yeah. So as we wrap up, uh, anything else you mentioned your, the Book of Mormon Challenge podcast that you put together, sort of just a fun <laughs> Book of Mormon focused podcast. What more could you tell us about it? Yeah. It's been a really fun project that it's funny because I felt impressed to do it a couple of times and I didn't because I was like, ah, oh, I have so much stuff happening and I'm publishing you know, like I publish all these things in the marketing world and all these things are happening, but definitely impressed. And after I got the Book of Mormon, the original copy, I was like, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And so the basic was just a challenge of like, you know, and a lot of it was not for people in the church. It's been fun because people in the church are the ones who actually listen to it a lot, but it's become like this missionary tool for me because people are always like, like, what do you do, Russell? And, you know, we, you talked about earlier, I did a whole presentation for our church group called uh, Social Media Missionary Secrets and how we use social media to open conversations. And people always ask me like, you have a following of millions of people. How like how are you not scared to like share these things? I'm like, well, I do it in a very strategic way, but then I have a place to send people. So now like I share things on social media while I'll show a picture of me with a picture of Christ or a picture of things like that. Not all the time, but often enough that they're they're yeah. they're present. And what happens is the Christians who follow me are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then the people who are like who are struggling, who are wondering, who are looking for more, it gives them an open space to be like, hey, I saw your post. Like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, well, go listen to my podcast. Like go kind of explain mm-hmm. the questions. And it gives me a place to push people. I have a lot of friends now who are LDS who who are you know it's it's a scary thing and so yeah. like they'll post something on social media and they're like go listen to Russell's podcast so he explains it over here <laughs> and so it comes it's come a really good missionary tool that opens cool. so many discussions in fact it was crazy I was at an event and one of the other speakers of the event he's an LDS guy and he listened to he listened to the podcast and he was like I want to share this with everyone here he's like would you be willing to I'm like well I guess but like I this is my event like I'm not going to come and like yeah and uh, so he was really, he uh, he was the last speaker for the day and he got permission from the event host and he's like at the end of the thing he's like hey just so you guys know he's like i have something really special you don't have to be part of it if you want to you can and uh he's like he's like russell who spoke earlier today and me he's like we're, we're uh there's something we want to share with you we're really passionate about we really believe in it's religious so if you if you're not comfortable feel free to leave and it'll be totally cool but if you want to come back we're gonna talk about it like 15 minutes from now so anyway give him a way to break so we broke 15 minutes we came back and over 100 people came back in this room and he ran up into the, it was like a, it was a Hilton or, or a Marriott. And he grabbed two Book of Mormons out of the thing. Oh, yeah, sure. And so during the break, he had, he used to write our testimony inside the Book of Mormon. And he's like, okay, Russell, he's, he, we didn't have anything planned. We start talking about it. It was like, Russell created this podcast about this thing we could love about. I'm going to turn to, to Russell. And he turned to me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> hey. And so I'm like on the stage in front of a hundred people talking about the Book of Mormon and the challenge. And we challenge everyone to, to read the book. And then he said, he's like, He's like, for any of you guys who will take the challenge right now, the first two people who run the front, we're going to give you these books, a Book of Mormon, as Russell's in my testimony, written in the front of them. And we had people right in the front. We gave them the books. We challenged everyone. And we had 100 people commit to go listen to the first episode of the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, That's I was awesome. like, I feel like Alma and Amu, like, like out in the village. Like, anyway, it was oh, like one of the coolest experiences ever. And so that, that's kind of how it started. I did five or six episodes and I kind of got stuck. I didn't know, you know, that feeling where you're just like, I don't know what to do next. Right, like I, would, yeah. I did all the priest stuff, getting people excited. Like my, I thought my goal was to get people to read the Book of Mormon. And that was kind of the goal of it. And then I was like, now what do I do? I, don't, I didn't know what to do. And so for almost a little over a year, I was kind of stuck. Like, I don't know. So I didn't post any episodes for over a year. Yeah, I remember that break. I thought, what's Russell? Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, it was, like, it was like this stupor of thought, you know? So I'm yeah, like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm stupering. I'm just, and I had a lot of stuff happening. So I kind of stopped. And then it was a couple months ago, I was out running and I start, I was trying to find something to listen to. And uh, Cleon Skousen is like one of my favorite LDS mm-hmm. authors. And I'd bought everything they sell and I was having it on my phone. So I was listening to this, this book. It was called Treasures of the Book of Mormon. Where it's basically this guy named Wendell Noble reading the Book of Mormon, and then Cleon Skousen giving commentary on every single verse. 
And as I'm running, I'm listening to this and I'm like, it's like making the Book of Mormon light on fire again for him. Like, this is amazing. Like, Skousen is so good. Like, yeah, oh, just these stories. And uh, I had this impression, like, you're supposed to like, this is the next step of the podcast is you need to be like putting this in here. And I was like, okay, well, legally I can't because I don't own the rights to it. So I called the Skousen family and um, luckily uh, they were super cool. And I bought a license to that course and the license to be able to republish the podcast. So now it's like, if you listen to Book of Mormon Challenge, what happens is as I've, I'm not, I'm not doing it chapter by chapter because I don't feel like that makes sense in a podcast. Yeah. Like, what, what's the first storyline, right? So and this guy's ties back to earlier. It's, it's Lehi's called Adventure. By the way, if you read the Book of Mormon, it follows the hero's two journeys. Just, right. just for everyone who's wondering if this story pattern follows yep. you, yes, it does. So <laughs> the first episode is uh, Lehi's called Adventure, which follows the story arc. And so I, which is like First Nephi chapter one and two. So that's number one. And then number two is Return of the Brass Plate. So I'm kind of putting these episodes in, in the podcast and then I'm still interweaving you know, every few episodes I come back in and do another episode. So I did one just recently on the hero's two journeys and how it syncs to our personal life and the spiritual life and Lehi's journey. And like, just so people can kind of start seeing that pattern. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what the, what the, it is now. And it's yeah. just been fun. It's just a fun. And, and I appreciate it because it has sort of this nostalgic old school feel when I listen to, <laughs> you know, Skousen talk about it. It's like, it's fun. It's really insightful and in, in things <laughs> I hadn't considered as well. So yeah. Awesome. Anything else? I got one more question for you, but uh, any other funnel you need to push people into? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. People always ask me, like, what, what's your end game? Are you trying to sell something? I'm like, I am not trying to sell anything other right. than getting people to read the Book of Mormon. Like, right. I am fine. In my business life, we do fine over there. This is just something that obviously I believe in and it gives me an outlet from people coming to me asking me, like, why are you so happy all the time? I'm like, oh, this is why. Yeah. Or why do you believe that? Or I'm struggling right now. Or in this crazy world, like it's for me, it was an, uh, an outlet for me to be able to share my beliefs with people yeah. in a way where it's not like the random, you know, like I'm sure you get it too. People will ask you random questions like, so I heard this thing, you're like, ah, you know, they hear the logical thing yep. over here and they want me to logically <laughs> convince them like, no, like go back here and listen to my story. This, like, yeah. like this is my, this is my journey. If you want to follow it, then you can. <laughs> awesome. And if there's people, as far as like ClickFunnels, I mean, I want to plug ClickFunnels as well, remarkable software. And, and you probably don't know this, but We've used ClickFunnels for, we've done several virtual summits for oh, leading cool. saints. And so ClickFunnels has literally helped us raise tens of thousands of dollars so that we can keep doing what we're doing. So awesome. it's, uh, you're, you're changing the, the impact, uh, you're impacting the church in ways that you probably don't realize. So that's really cool. Awesome. <laughs> so the last question is you consider your, you know, you talked about the hero's journey. How has your hero's journey helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I think in, in any journey, you look at the story arc, right? There's like, you start in an ordinary world, you get this called adventure, you're scared of it, you leave, and then you find this guide, and then the guide takes you on this journey. And, and then the journey's not easy with the guide. There's, there's conflict, there's ups and there's downs, and all these things that happen. And then at the end of it, at the end of every story, there's two, we call it the hero's two journeys. There's two journeys. The first journey is the journey of achievement, right? And this is the journey that anyone who's watching the story knows about, right? Like Frodo's trying to take the ring to Mordor, to kill the ring, right? Lightning McQueen's trying to win the piston cup. Like Rocky's trying to, you know, like everyone, there, there's always the journey of achievement. And that's the journey that we're all led in on and we're watching. But the second journey is this journey of transformation. And this is who do you become on this journey, right? And, you know, I look at at my journey so far in this world and there's <clears throat> there's tons of little micro journeys too. There's my mission journey. My, you know, there's all these little journeys, but journey as a whole and you come in here and like, who's the guide? The guide that we have from our Heavenly Father is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost guides us and leads us and there's all this conflict and you look at the conflict in the world and you look at constant thing and the better we get at listening to Holy Ghost, the better we get at listening to Revelation. It guides us through these things as we're trying to achieve something. And I think that, you know, for me, I'm, I'm I look at my life like in wrestling and in business, like I'm always so big about this, trying to achieve something. Like I have a, a insatiable desire to like chase these goals and try to reach, try to get my hand raised again. Like that's the mm -hmm. thing I'm always chasing towards. But as I'm doing this and, and what's been the coolest thing for me is it's like, this journey of transformation and the journey of transformation inside the gospel is 100% Christ. Like, like all of us are coming to try to achieve something, but, but somewhere in that journey, you realize that, that it's not you, that it's not, you know, you're, you're not as special as you think you are. You realize that you're a tool in the hands of, of someone greater. And I think for me, it's, it's being able to see that in all aspects of our life. Like it's, it's funny because I always thought growing up that there was like, there was, I did wrestling, I did business, I did church and they were all separate things. And it's like, so cool to me now as I'm getting older and see more and more this is like how all these things tie together, right? Like I see how, like why in the world did 18 years ago, I'm a kid who, who loves wrestling. I'm almost failing school constantly. I don't like studying. I don't like learning. All of a sudden, like I get this 
thing in my head where the Lord's like, oh, you should be interested in this marketing thing. Like, like why was I given that? Like, hmm. like just random, right? And I didn't understand it, but I was like, for some reason, like this is interesting to me. And I want to geek out. I want to go deeper. And it, like, it becomes my career, becomes my business, right? But I didn't realize how tied that is into God's plan, right? Like, and it's probably hard for people to see on the outside. Like, oh, you're just a business. Who cares? That, like, but man, I, I can't tell you how spiritual this journey of me growing this business has been. How many, you know, right now we've got three or four missions who are using funnels right now in the coronavirus lockdown. Wow. We've got missions who are missionaries like Dave, who's sitting in the office of his son's in a mission in, in London right now. And he's one using the Epiphany Bridge script. He's running Facebook ads for the London mission and he's, and he's driving it through a funnel and they're getting conversations happening because of this thing. And it's like, you know, and uh, another guy who was in my ward who found out what I did and he went through all of our training, started building funnels for stuff, never had success. And all of a sudden he gets called to be the head of social media missionary work in, in Utah, moves down there. Now he's working with the church to build funnels and tell stories. Like wow. all these things that are happening now, you know, I get a call one day randomly from Eller Ballard, which is like the scariest <laughs> thing to ever happen to anybody. I'm like, either I'm getting excommunicated or I'm a mission president. I don't want either of those things. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You know, and he's like, hey, I heard about what you do. And and there's this thing called Operation Underground Railroad. And I feel like you should be helping with this thing. And it's wow. like, how did that even happen? And now, you know, we've raised uh, multiple millions of dollars for this organization to help save, you know, tons of kids. It's just like, it's like, man, the more that I, I realize that like, we just like listen to the voice, listen to the spirit and follow it, that we're literally being being used in, in a plan bigger than than our own. And I think, I think if people understood that, it would get you more excited about wake up in the morning. Like, like this thing, like sometimes it's like, oh, I'm just a cog and a wheel. I work at this company, but it's like, what's that company's mission? How is it affecting something that the Lord needs to happen over here? Right. And it was crazy. Like when we we're talking to Elder Ballard about Operation Underground Railroad, like this is this amazing thing. We're saving kids from sex slavery. And he's like, he's like just, you know, he's like, as amazing as that is, it's just a tool for people to find out about Christ. We're like what? Like, you right. know, it's just like all these little things that we don't understand how, how we're affecting God's plan. It's like, man, if you can be faithful and listen to the spirit and just, and get excited by that. Like someday we're going to see the whole tapestry of the world and be like, that's how you fit into this thing. Like that thing that you did, that gift that I gave you that made you excited about accounting or business or pod, like whatever that weird gift is that he gave you, like it actually mattered. And so when you understand that's like, man, how do we use this and how do we listen and how do we be faithful stewards of the things he's given us, which could be as dorky as a funnel. And now <laughs> it's like, how, how is this affecting so many people's lives, you know? And so I don't know. I think as I go through this journey, I'm just grateful that I don't know, I'm grateful for the inspiration. I'm grateful for the for the spirit and feeling like we're part of something bigger. It's really exciting when you think about it. That concludes my interview with Russell Brunson. Wow, what an honor. You know, and he was so kind as I left his office. Just uh, I, I was left with arms full of product swag and books that uh, will definitely help us expand the, the reach of leading saints and help us uh, continue to market our mission to the world helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. So big shout out to Russell. Go check out his podcast, uh, The Book of Mormon Challenge. Wherever you're listening to this, uh, just hit the search bar and uh, look it up. We'll also link to it in the show notes. And uh, if you are running a business or doing some online marketing to some extent, you've got to check out ClickFunnels. It has been a game changer for us at Leading Saints and so helpful. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 and join the Core Leader community today. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.